Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast for our look at the beautiful game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. My name is Chess Warren and this week I'm joined by former FA and Aston Villa press officer Emily Lyles. And we've also got Dom Smith, who is the founder of EnglandFootball.org. Thank you very much, both of you, for coming on today. Always very happy that you could spare your time. We've been across the Arnold Clark Cup over the past week, and it was a successful tournament. It went down to the final games, which took place in Wolverhampton. The first game to take place was Spain taking on Canada. The Spanish won thanks to a first half goal from Alexia Puteas. The Spanish head coach, Jorge Vilda, told us that the tournament had been a good workout for his side ahead of the Euros in the summer. I think it's been a very positive tournament overall. It's been useful for us in terms of preparing for the Euros, which has been our main target. The team has done very well and we've also discovered some areas where we can improve further. As Patricia said, over the next few months we'll also have um, an international break in April with a friendly and some competitive games. Then we'll uh, work out the final squad list and have our final preparations ahead of the Euros. Um, so we've got time to work on our strengths and improving them and also reduce our weaknesses. So it's definitely been a useful tournament. That Barcelona axis of Puteas, Hermosa and Bomati were very good in that final game, weren't they, Emily? 100% chess and what outstanding pronunciation there. I'm very, very impressed by that. Thank <laughs> but you. But no, you're, you're quite right. It, they performed very, very well. I think those comments around it being really good preparation for the Euros are spot on too. I think there's just quality, isn't there, across all those teams across the board. I think we saw that with the nature of how close the majority of the games were, both in terms of scoreline and probably in terms of competition too. And yeah, really, really good. I think it was one of those, it, it was one of those tournaments that it was a strange one because it's new. People aren't quite sure what to expect. I guess the name of it attracts a bit of attention as well. Um, but, you know, overall, yeah, really, really successful, I would say. Yeah, definitely. In Spain, as we've been talking the for about the past six months now, I've seen as the kind of key threat for the Euros. They've kind of come in. They've, they're a very up-and-coming side, especially with the majority of their players being from Barcelona, who are quite clearly probably the best team in the world at the moment. I don't think it's too um, it's too bad to kind of say that. Um, but it'll be really exciting to see them play. And seeing them playing against the sides like this um, in the Arnold Clark Cup was very exciting because we've not really seen them against uh, performing against kind of top opponents yet because it has only really been World Cup qualifiers. So Spain are going to be a threat in the Euros. What have we seen in this tournament that teams can take forward into their preparation of the Euros, preferably against Spain? I think Spain before, I don't think any of these teams were at their best in this tournament, to be honest, but I I don't think any of them were at their worst either. Um, I think if you're on about Spain in particular, I think they were probably the the best performers of the tournament. And, And if they weren't, then then England and Canada ran them close. I think Germany were probably the weakest of the sides if you look at the three games, but not by very much. And actually their manager in the press conference after the England game yesterday said, I'd be worried if, if, those, if the kind of the table as it's finished um, reflected well, kind of how, how, how well we've played, but I don't think it did. And actually, I don't think we're too far off. And I think, I think she was right about that. Um, 
you know, in terms of Spain, I think they are still on that upward trajectory. They're many people's uh, favourites to win the Euros and have been kind of since last summer or so. But I think people still expected, uh, I think people saying that weren't necessarily saying that they're the best team, at, they were the best team at the time, just that they're going to keep improving and by the time of the Euros will probably be the favourites. And I, I think I would, I would agree with that, to be honest. So, I mean, they were unlucky when they went out of the 2019 World Cup that, that it was kind of a, a Rapinoe penalty and quite a controversial one at that that did it for them, I believe. And, and actually they played quite a lot better than the States in that game. And, and, and since then, I think they've been, they've been pretty consistent, really, Spain. So I think they still remain the favourites and maybe they would have liked to have won, won one more of, of their games in this tournament. One, win, winning one out of three is maybe not quite what they were after. But as I say, it's still an upward trajectory. They're not the finished article. But the amount of possession that they have in these games, it's only gonna it's only gonna kind of put them on the right side of luck more often than not, really. Coming into this final fixture, then the Lionesses took on Germany, knowing that a win and a minimal amount of yellow cards would see them leapfrog Spain and win the tournament. All sorts of permeations came into play, but in the end, England won 3-1 thanks to goals from Ellen White, Millie Bright, and also Fran Kirby. This gave Serena Wiegmann her first success and her first piece of silverware as Lioness's coach. It's also the first time that England have beaten Germany on English soil, which is really notable. Um, But it should also be said that, as you were mentioning before, Dom, Germany definitely weren't firing on all cylinders and they have a quite significant amount of their team missing in the fact that a bunch of them had COVID beforehand and couldn't travel to the tournament. So I think that's definitely notable. They're not one that we can write off for the summer Euros. Here are England managers Serena Wiegmann's thoughts after the game. Of course, it's really nice to win a tournament. Um, And you always want to win. And you always want to win every game. Um, The tournament has been great. I think uh, what we expected, three top-level opponents. And we did get that. And uh, what we wanted to uh, develop our style of play, to get to know Uh, about ourselves more what options we have within our team Uh, try different uh, players on different positions and uh, we all did that and I think then it's really nice to finish with a 3-1 win you always want more we have been able to try out things to see players in different positions uh, and to develop our style of play against the three opponents what I said but also three different styles of play Uh, against us and that's really good to see too. Emily, being Germany to win a tournament doesn't get any better does it? At least it didn't come down to penalties. No and and it's interesting you say that because again I I don't know whether this is fair but I think if you look at the England team I mean I guess it's questionable as well if that's their kind of first choice team as well albeit you know that's a selection decision which is slightly different to Germany's circumstances but yeah it was it's one of those where everyone knows England v Germany in both the men's and women's game is always a stumbling block for England. And, and quite frankly, it was a really, really impressive performance. I think you only have to look at the contribution of someone like Lauren Hemp, who's been performing for a number of years now for someone so young. And not just in that game last night, but also you know throughout this tournament, she's been really, really impressive. And I think it bodes well for the Euros, but then also looking ahead to the World Cup, when you look at the kind of age demographic of that team that started and then obviously, you know, if you look at the wider squad as well. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of rotation, which is really positive because it shows that Serena isn't afraid to change things, which is quite refreshing to see from the managers that we've previously had um, in England. 
there were some notable exceptions overall though and I just kind of want to jump in here and, and talk about it was there any player for you that wasn't that didn't make it into this side that you're hoping to see in the Euro squad for the Lionesses over the summer and this could be players who are currently injured the one that pops out to me is is Chloe Kelly um, whether she'll be fit by the time that it comes to the summer because she really brings something to the side in a way that Lauren Hemp does too but similarly to Manchester City as the Lionesses don't want to fall into the trap of if you can control Lauren Hemp you can control the game so are there any players like that that you're particularly hoping to see in the squad in the summer? I don't think there are too many players who are uncapped as Lionesses who are, who are likely to break into a squad considering how close we are now to the Euros. Mm. I think mentioning Kelly is quite right. She's an exceptional talent. um, And I think she's probably got slightly better finished product than Lauren Hemp. Although I think it's pretty clear to see that that Hemp is the better player. Um, You know, she, she can, she's more likely to to win a game or to haul you back to level in a game you're losing um, against a big side than, than Chloe Kelly is. But Chloe Kelly has you know has is has better crossing ability at the moment I'd say and a better shooting ability too probably um and when she comes back I think she I think it would be good to see her in the squad I think Horton's an obvious one um because you know she, she she's at the top of uh, of the game as well and has been you know has been a, a leader in the WSL for years um so I think those would be the two that you'd expect to come back and of course they're they're both injured so in terms of players breaking in I think I don't think there'll be very much of that at all if any actually yeah I completely agree um obviously it's been announced today that Horton has is undergoing a surgery on her Achilles so it'll be interesting to see when she can come back if she's even back for Manchester City before the end of the season because I know she's been quite on and off um with her injuries this season so far um for extra players coming in, I completely agree with you. I don't think we're going to see anyone kind of new break into the side. It was actually really interesting. I saw an article the other day that Leah Galton did saying that um, Serena Wiegmann had been in contact with her, but she explicitly said that she doesn't want to play for the national side because doesn't want the extra stress of it. Yeah, it's very interesting. And so um, because she's the only one, although I don't know where she would fit into this England squad, she is play- She is quite in form at the moment for Manchester United and has especially been over the Jan- January, February period too. But talking about players who are actually in the squad and in the tournament, along with Lauren Hemp, Millie Bright had a very good tournament, didn't she? Emily, what have you thought of her performance? Yeah, obviously the goals contribution is is phenomenal, really, for someone in her position. But I think with someone like Millie, and, and I'd probably put Leah Williamson into this category as well, I think what you're seeing is the development of more leaders, which is really, really refreshing. I mean, I think particularly Williamson has probably been that for a long time and kind of boasts leadership skills that defy her years. And and that's probably something, although she didn't have that armband on or that official title, she was probably doing a little bit behind the scenes. And I'm not sure whether this kind of, uh, what appears to be a wider leadership group has come from the fact that Steph Horton just isn't around or hasn't been around consistently because she's obviously been such an integral figure and will hopefully continue to be both on and off the field. But you've seen players appear to step up. I think, you know, Leah's a brilliant ambassador. Going back to your point about Millie, exactly the same. I know she's had sort of quite a senior role at at Chelsea for a while, but equally she's among company a lot of the time where she's by no means the oldest in the group yes she's been on the scene for a long time and and broke in at a relatively young age and obviously has an interesting story in terms of her development but 
yeah, she's been phenomenal, hasn't she? And, you know, particularly in that first game, I think she really, really shone. I thought it was very interesting, her in the last 10 minutes kind of being used as a pseudo striker because where she was positioned for that goal, yes, yes, it was offside. Yes, we do know it was offside. We have to say that it was, but the fourth official didn't get it. And then Frank Kirby scored a goal. So in the end, it was a bit of a moot point, but still she's in the position that you would expect a number nine in. She was basically on the penalty spot. It was a really interesting decision kind of seeing her being pushed up in those last 10 minutes of the game and then moving to a back three at the back to try and instead of putting another striker on, moving her into there. In her post-match interview, um, Bright said that they were told by Serena to go and get goals. It didn't matter where they came from. Do you think that shows, Dom, especially with our kind of struggles with not having an out-and-out number nine? I think it's more about the point of the tournament that that England were at. They were level with Germany and they hadn't lost uh, any of their matches. And in the final 10, 9, 8 minutes, you know, what are you going to do if you've got the chance to win a tournament on the line? You're you're going to go for it. I don't think it's necessarily (laughs) Serena Wiegmann suggesting that Millie Bright is an alternative going forward. I know that's not what you're suggesting, but... Um, but I think it was a good decision. I'm going to say that, obviously, because Millie Bright ended up scoring, but 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 she has been one of the outstanding performers for England at this tournament. And so why wouldn't you why wouldn't you trust them going forward when when they've already got you a goal and, and a stellar goal at like that, uh, what wasn't it, against Canada? So um, I think her and Hemp, clearly the outstanding performers of, of the tournament for England. And then there were individual displays in each match, which, which were impressive as well. I thought Stanway against Canada was excellent. Jill Scott, obviously, against Spain. And I would say players like Kirby and Greenwood had a good, had a good night last night as well. So, um, yeah, generally speaking, England should be pleased with how they've played in this tournament. There were defensive errors and rustiness. There always will be um, uh, at this stage ahead of a tournament. You, the hopes will be that by the time that England get to the Euros, they'll have ironed those out and they won't persist anymore. Um, going forward, England haven't been clinical enough, I don't think. And I still think, I wrote this in my piece, actually, I still don't think England's crossing is good enough. It's not accurate enough. Is there a problem with the number of times they put the ball into the box? No, absolutely not, there isn't. But is there a problem with the accuracy of those crosses? And and, uh, I I would say there is. Um, And that's been clear throughout the autumn as well, even though England were thrashing everyone that that, that arrived on their doorstep. That kind of um, hides the problem, um, and I think it is still a problem. But generally, England England have played well. I, I spoke to Serena Wiegmann after the game and, and, and asked her, you know, what what have you what have you been so so pleased with and, and less pleased with in the tournament? Given that you were after good performances rather than good results, or, or more than good results, and she said that's absolutely right. And and there have been things that that we've learned. I've learned a lot about the individuals, about my team, and about our style of play. And and it, it can only be a good thing playing against these teams. There isn't always the opportunity to play against sides of this quality ahead of tournaments. Um, but it's good that the that this international break has been possible. And of course, it's good that England have won the tournament because you couldn't have hoped for anything better than that, really, could you? You've put it perfectly there. Going forward for the Euros, there are three European teams in this tournament. And then obviously the um, gold medal winners in the Olympic Canada do any of these three European teams have the firepower to win the tournament uh, over the summer or should we also be looking and actively thinking about the brilliance of Sweden? Hopefully for the Netherlands, the return of van der Donk after her long-term injury, but also are their days of dominance waning and kind of the sun is setting on the dominance of the Netherlands. And then obviously France, who have 
had a completely dominant performance in the Tournoi de France going into this tournament are Spain still the favourites or from the kind of pseudo friendly tournaments that we've had across Europe and also the Americas too has that changed? That's a really really good question and you know your summary there was really really good Chess just in terms of realizing the level of competition I suppose we often have England hats on when we chat and and you realize just how competitive the tournament will be um I'd probably say Spain are probably still favorites and the reason for that would be I think the way they play that possession football I think it's fatiguing I think when teams have to come up against that in a really high pressured environment you know you have to have organization you have to have huge levels of fitness and it is it is challenging and I think it wears you down so I suppose the challenge there is just trying to make sure that they don't have the ball too much which is obviously easier said than done um I think Sweden's a good shout I think France like you say they've had this comprehensive win in their own tournament um how much of a barometer is that? I don't really know. But yeah, I mean, when you talk about the teams, you talk about the competition, you've got a lot of different styles. You've got teams that have perhaps performed consistently for a number of years, some sort of more newcomers. And I think it's just, it's really exciting. And I wouldn't want to, if, if I was a betting person, I wouldn't want to put my money on, on any team at this point, particularly I think when you take into consideration that the last couple of years have been strange, that a lot of teams have had, little game time or there's some that will have had more game time than others. And, and as you quite rightly pointed out, this tournament was really, really important for all those teams in the Arnold Clark Cup. Completely. I think it's really interesting. I was listening to um, Ian Wright's podcast um, yesterday and in the episode they were speaking about the Arnold Clark Cup and the Euros in the summer and saying it's so open at the moment. Similarly, in the Champions League last year, if Barcelona would have come up with of a team like PSG, they could have potentially have been beaten by them. None of the teams in that in the Champions League are unbeatable, completely unbeatable. And I don't think any of the teams going into the Euros are completely unbeatable. And so it'd be really interesting how the draw itself affects um, affects who wins going forward, who comes up against each other. But yeah, Dom, what what are your thoughts on um, favourites going into the Euros? I think for me, um, the Netherlands are, are potentially waning a little, as you suggest. Um, maybe you can't learn too much about qualifiers because, you know, at the end of the day, the tests are, are these kinds of games, Arnold Clark Cup type type quality. Um, but, but I remember they drew with the Czech Republic in the qualifiers and, and not only drew, but didn't look good at all in that match. And, and, and that's that's worrying for them. Um, I think France and Spain would be my favourites, probably. Um, Spain... Um, you know, Emily's right to point out that, that it is just so tiring to play against a side that that dominates possession in quite that way and, and dominates it well as well. They don't just pass it around the back. That would be pointless. But, you know, they create chances. That their, their, their passing is excellent and a lot of it is, it is forward passing as well. But France, the, the young attack that they're, that they're building now with Baltimore and, and players like that, it's extremely exciting and it's frightening to watch. England played them in... April um, in France and I believe they lost 3-1 and for a moment uh, it was 2-0 France for a long time England got back into the game with a Frank Kirby penalty and for a moment it looked like the final sort of uh, 10 minutes or so England might be pushing for an equaliser and they were and they came very close and then they just got uh, they just got done on the counter-attack quite superbly by France and France won the game. 
And I think that's the kind of thing that can win you tournaments is a, the, a firepower in attack to, to win on the break, uh, even in games where you're not dominating. And I think this France side is, is about as good as that, uh, that as, as anyone in the world. So, so um, with Sweden in mind, I would say Spain and France are probably the two favourites for me. So has the tournament been a success? We've asked some of the media who've been covering the tournament. From an England point of view, I think definitely. Um, it's been the biggest test that the team have had to face since Serena came in. And it has shown that they can go toe-to-toe with some of the biggest teams in Europe, which is, I think, was the biggest question ahead of the Euro. So in that sense, it's been, yeah, a massive success. I think there's things that can be learned from this tournament in terms of, like, selling tickets as double-headers um, and really billing the days as days rather than as individual games that would help improve that. But I've been to She Believes in the US, and it's similar. that It's the US games that get the big crowds yeah. there, and the others don't get so as many. They're not quite as bad as here, but then they're yeah. sold as double-headers, and it's billed as a day, and you go for the day a little bit more. Uh, but they are still massively reduced as well. So... You know, I think that's somewhat inevitable when they're friendlies um, and that the locations are a little bit remote and stuff. I think, you know, if you had some bigger stadiums, that would maybe be, I say bigger, these are big, great stadiums, but some of the, you know, sort of big Premier League big hitters would be nice. Um, and that would, that would transform this competition a little bit. But having said that, for what it is and the preparation it's given these teams ahead of the Euros, I think it's been good. Yeah, it's been a, it's been good tournament football-wise, I think. Super competitive games, um, really good tests for all of these nations. Well, the three nations are going to the Euros. So, um, yeah, I think they've all learned something from this. Um, the experience of the tournament as well, it's the first time it's been ever been run. So I think there'll be a lot of learnings from it, but I think it's been generally... Quite good. How's the engagement been in terms of social media? Uh, off the scale, to be honest, more than we ever imagined. Um, numbers are through the roof, so really good start, and hopefully we can build on that in the next few years. I think so, so far, yeah. I think it's been pretty competitive between all four teams. There's not been any more than one goal in it, which I think is what you expect when you've got four of the top ten nations playing. Um, the games have been competitive, they've been exciting. I think it's... Uh, you know, I don't think you expect goal fest when you've got the top teams playing each other. You know, but they've been exciting games, and um, yeah, I think in terms of on the pitch, it's it's been a really good advert for the for the women's game and, and what's to come in the Euros. I think there's been aspects that have been really good, but I also think there's aspects that uh, can improve on going forward. Definitely, I think the planning overall. So some of the early games, not having the crowds, all of that. I know COVID is a little bit of a factor, but I think that's really hindered the experience of the tournament. Success in terms of even getting the opportunity to test themselves against uh, the best and teams and what have you and that maybe some work to do on how to boost crowd numbers at non England games is needed and just looking at that side of it but yeah no I think the tournament's been a good one in terms of the, the football Dan come on do you think the tournament's been a success yes or no yes there we go that'll do Dom what do you think I think it's been pretty well advertised as a tournament I think it's inevitable that more people turned out for the England games than for any of the other matches um because there is that kind of home interest where there isn't quite so much with the other sides. And actually, it would have been worrying to see what the attendances were if the other sides in this competition weren't even as good as they are. I mean, they're world-class sides, top 10 sides. If it had been that kind of rung below, you know, you might have had quite, you know, very worrying attendances indeed. But, you know, in general, has the tournament been a success? I would say it almost certainly has. For all four managers, they seem to have left the tournament quite content with what they've learned about their sides. Um, the players seem to have seem to have bought into it. 
Um, I quite like the brand, the branding kind of coming out from the tunnels at the tournaments that that makes it look a bit more important than maybe it is. But but you've got to do that. You've got to do that to, to make the tournament look uh, look like a spectacle. Um, from an England perspective, I'll touch on that quickly. Of course, it's been a success. England were not expected to win the tournament. They were the third um, ranked side of the four. And frankly, Spain's world ranking is is quite um, kind of misleading anyway. So. Uh, Really, for, for Serena Wiegmann, it, it's it's got to go down as an international break of um, of success. Really, England didn't put a single bad performance together. There was rustiness in matches. There were there were moments where they were on the ropes and they couldn't get the ball clear, or or they or they didn't have the quality to to, to cross well enough to, to to players like White, who you often see looking looking desperate for that pullback across the the box, and she doesn't always get it. But but generally, England's performances were very good, um, especially things tactically, things like the double pivot of Walsh and, and Williamson is very, very exciting. Um, Millie Bright has been questioned sometimes in her England career, but um, was was pretty much England's best performer. And if she wasn't, then Lauren Hemp was, who is only going to get better. And I maintain will become world class once she can develop that ability to to shoot um, more accurate, more accurately, more often and cross in the same in the same way. Um, but generally has the tournament a success I'd say you'd have to say it has been. Elsewhere in Europe there were other cups and tournaments going on the home nations the other home nations were in the Pinatar Cup which took place in Spain I have to admit producer Luke if we want to get some sponsors and you want to send me out there next year I I won't be complaining at all love a good bit of winter sun Uh, Belgium came out on top after beating Russia on penalties 7-6 after the game finished goalless in normal time Wales and the Republic of Ireland both reached semi-finals before being knocked out. Wales lost on penalties to Belgium whilst Russia beat the Republic of Ireland. Now, Wales, we can see the progression of Wales. They had a good showing in this tournament. And would you think this will give them some heart for the upcoming World Cup qualification? They've missed out on the Summer Euros, but are second in their World Cup qualification group. And actually, they are lower in... I know that FIFA rankings don't mean everything, but they're lower in FIFA rankings than teams like Scotland and Ireland, and they have kind of come out on top. So it will be really interesting to see what they can do looking forward to Australia and New Zealand in 2023. Emily, what do you think about the Welsh side? Yeah, I think they've done exceptionally well. I think you only have to listen to those results that you've just read out there. And they've been in games even when they got knocked out. It was a very, very close encounter. I think there seems to be, they seem to be playing well, which is the first thing. But there also seems to be, from what you see sort of coming out of the camp, a lot of positivity. Um, They all seem to get on pretty well. Obviously, Gemma Granger's gone in there. And you just think it's... You, you will them to do well because I think probably over the last, probably the last decades, probably pushing it a little bit, but probably for the last sort of five, five to seven years, there have been times when they have been knocking on the door and we know they've got quality. They've got top quality international players that would get into other international sides as well. And you just hope, as you say, for, from their perspective, that they they can overcome that qualification period and have the chance to compete at that level on that stage because they are a good side um, and, and like you say, very much defy their rankings on, on a regular basis. It was a really strong tournament overall. I did watch quite a few of the fixtures with Belgium and Russia being in it too. They're both teams who have qualified for the Euros over the summer. Belgium also notably had an 18-0 win over Armenia, I think it was. 
I know in World Cup qualification, these are there are those high scoring matches, but it does show that they are very clinical in putting goals into the back of the net, even in fixtures like that. Do you think that they will be an exciting side for the Euros coming up in the summer, Dom? Yeah, I think Belgium are always kind of in and around it uh, in the women's game, 100%, um, more so than the men's, actually, where you've, you've seen a golden generation, but, but really the historical success isn't quite there. Uh, Belgium are, are, are a very capable side. And to be honest, for Wales to have taken them to penalties is pretty impressive, really. Um, uh, as Emily was saying, they, they do defy their ranking and, and they are a good side. But, but Belgium are a slightly better level. Are they, are they going to kind of challenge for, for a trophy in the next few years? I think that's unlikely, to be honest. I think, I think that's maybe ab- above them, but, but they are a good side. And, and for, for Wales and, and, and the, the home nation to be playing against sides of, of this quality on a regular basis is only a good thing in qualifiers and as well as these kind of small February tournaments. Um, it can only be a good thing for, for improvement. Be really interesting to see if they can provide some upset over the summer. Across the pond in the She Believes Cup, the USA retained the cup on the final match day after beating Surprise Package Iceland. The USA cruised through the game 5-0. Katerina Macario and Mallory Pugh bagged a double with Christy Mewis adding a fifth. But looking forward at the weekend and domestic matters back at home, it's the fifth round of the FA Cup. And the standout tie is the Manchester Derby. We've got our very own Liv Griffiths to become referee. She spoke to a fan from the blue half and the red half of Manchester. Joining me today, we have Dave from Man City's official women's supporters group and Chloe, who is a blogger and my United fan. So thank you both for your time. Um, Let's keep it nice and clean. I know the FA Cup is always a great affair and we've got ourselves another Manchester Derby in the fifth round this Sunday. So... Dave, I'll come to you. How are you feeling about the game? Confident? Yeah, I'm always confident. We're playing well at the moment. Um, obviously, with the win the other week in the WSL, which was a must-win game for us, um, that should always lift our confidence. We're under no illusions that this will be difficult because it's away from home and it's a derby. So obviously, that you know that that raises the stakes. Uh, but but looking forward to it as always. Yeah, I mean, you just touched on it there. Obviously, Chloe and Man City do currently have the bragging rights with that 1-0 narrow win a couple of weeks ago in the league. What do Man United need to learn from that game going into this weekend? To be honest, I think the main things to learn was we fielded a very defensive team. Um, from the get-go, it kind of looked like we were on the back foot, like trying to defend, and it, it was just not not the game to play how we did. Um, so I think there'll be big changes in terms of fielding a more attacking team and having a lot more pressing going on because there wasn't very much of that either. I know, and you can't stop that wonder goal from Caroline Weir, can you? Twice now, I feel like she's done the same thing to you guys. Yeah, it, it I mean, it was disappointing, but look, you know, it's something to learn from and... Yeah, it's happened twice, so it's kind of something to laugh at. But I genuinely think that Caroline is such a good player that if she's going to score that goal, she's going to score that goal. Yeah, true. And obviously, there's been a couple of weeks break from that game, but both teams have had a flurry of players on international duty over the last couple of weeks. Dave, kind of like Chloe's touched on thinking Man United are going to make changes. Do you think Man City will make changes to their squad or do you expect... A very similar start to 11 to the one a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, I think it, from our point of view, I think the, uh, allowing for any injuries, obviously, that may or may not happen on the international uh, break, which you know we keep our fingers crossed that they, they'll come back fit. Uh, I think if he has a full squad to pick from, I wouldn't expect too many changes from uh, Gareth Taylor for this one. Uh, I think Chloe touched on a good point there that United, the derby the other week, United could afford to draw that. that a draw for United would have been a very good result because it would have kept them five points clear of us in the league. And maybe that played into uh, Mark Skinner's thoughts when he picked his team for that game. I think this game is a one-off. It's a cup tie and both teams, I think, will play uh, strong attacking lineups. Uh, which for us, I think, will lead to a pretty much unchanged side. You might see one or two, you know, personnel changes here and there, but I think on the whole, um, Gareth's got a full squad to pick from for the first time this season. It's something he's not had for most of the season with injuries, just injuries that just you could not believe before Christmas. So uh, it's a nice position for him to be in, but I'm sure he's keeping everything crossed that everybody comes back from this international break uh, fit and raring to go as well. No, I know. Something was definitely going on at Man City. It felt like all of their top players were out for a while. But touching on Mark Skinner, Chloe, for instance, obviously, I know a lot of Man United fans were probably disappointed to see Casey Stoney leave in the summer. But Mark, he has been producing some wins already against some of the top three. Do you feel they are starting to compete now and there's no fear going into this game on Sunday as they're against City? No, I I think that he's instilled a lot of values in the players. I mean, Casey Stoney obviously did a, a tremendous job in already doing that, but I think there's been a, there's a sort of a shift in mindset with a lot of the players at the moment. Um, you see, there's a lot more hunger and desire to win, and because we have done so well, I think it is likely that we're going to see we're fighting for third and we're competing for trophies, and that wasn't something that we've kind of ever saw before. Um, so it's it's definitely exciting, but I think Mark's going to doing a great job. I mean, yeah, he's going to make mistakes, but I have every faith in him. That's refreshing to hear. And speaking of trophies, I mean, obviously they haven't come up as large for Man United, whereas Man City, they have won the FA Cup before. Dave, do you feel this adds extra pressure going into the game or actually it just gives them that edge of having more experience than Man United? There's the possibility that you could say experience, but I mean, um, United have been uh, above us most of the way in the league this season. And I think the general uh, standard in the WSL has been higher this season. If you look at teams like Tottenham as well, who have had an excellent season to stay up in that top three, um, placing for most of the season as well. So I think there's that. So I just think a cup tie is a great leveller anyway. Uh, a derby is a great leveller. And you throw those two things together, and it's whoever whoever wants it just that little bit more on the day. Um, we have beat them there before in the FA Cup on the way to winning it a couple of seasons ago. So, you know, that we have got a bit of history on our side, but I'm sure when, when the whistle goes on Sunday, that all goes out the window and it, it's on the day. More so pretty much in a derby than any other game, I would say. Yeah, and you did touch on earlier, actually, saying that, you know, Man United, they do have the home advantage. Chloe, are you going to be there supporting them? Yeah, I am. Uh, I can't wait. I was at the last derby as well uh, in the blustering wind and rain and managed to get myself all over Manchester United's Instagram um, whilst dressed in about a million layers, which was uh, quite hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I will be there. I don't know how you guys do it. I feel cold just being in the south part of this country. <laughs> Whereas nor you northerners, I mean, different, different <laughs> breed of life. Dave, are you going to make a short trip over there? 
We are indeed. We've got a full coach going um, from the OSC. There's many other Blues that will be making their way over because it's not too far. Uh, so we've sort of like got the away section behind the goal, which we've had before. So I'm expecting quite a good turnout. Um, whether or not we'll get as good a crowd as we did at City the other week, I'm not sure, but we'll see. But it, it's good. The only thing I am worried about is all these derbies. You know, I, I don't want to dilute the fixture, you know, to keep playing all these derbies time and time again. So this We also met in the Conti Cup this year as well, again, which mm. is the third time we've met in the Conti Cup. And, I'd, you know, I want the derby to feel special. I want the derby to be uh, a special fixture in the calendar for the fans. And, uh, you know, it does worry me that all these derbies, uh, one after the other. But... It is what it is, and we take it as it is, and there'll be a good turnout, I'm sure, on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. It's just the luck of the draw sometimes. And I guess yeah. the most important question I have for both of you, I'll come to you first, Chloe, is what's your score prediction for this one? Oh, see, I think we're going to go in all guns blazing on this one. Um, you know, we're still suffering with the back line with, without Aoife and Millie, but Maria and Diana have had a lot more time together now um, to build sort of that relationship. So I'm going to say 2-1. I'm going to say 2-1. Um, I wouldn't like to give goal scorers, but I think Ella Toon will be having a good crack. Let's just say that. Okay, nice. So 2-1 to the home team. And Dave, I mean, I'm I'm going to say you're going to disagree with Chloe here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I do think it'll be close again. So I'll go 2-1 to City. Uh, as Chloe touched on there, United's back line might not be at its full strength. And I think we can exploit that with our attack. Um, so yeah, two one to City. Oh, you guys, you're killing me. Well, unsurprisingly, me. I, I'm just yeah. a neutral in this. I can't. I couldn't possibly. <laughs> no, I mean it's an interesting one because obviously I'm, I'm looking at the international players as well, and I always feel like Man City. There's a lot of them, you know, in that England squad. They play quite regularly together. So I think I'm going to have to maybe say a 1-0 Man City win. I'm sorry, Chloe, please forgive me. <gasps> oh, I, don't, I think that's unforgivable. <laughs> well, I mean, who's going to win this Sunday? Well, you'll have to tune in and watch this weekend. But one thing that we can all agree on is it's going to be a tasty affair. I think so, yeah. I think it'll be well worth watching. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. You're more than welcome. It's been a yeah, pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Other ties to look out for are Chelsea versus Leicester. And on Sunday, sees another intriguing top tie as the top of the championship take on the top of the WSL as Liverpool host Arsenal. Now, Emily, along with the Manchester derby, this Liverpool-Arsenal game is a real standout tie, isn't it? What do you think? It is, and I, and I still, to this day, I know obviously they've been down there a couple of seasons now, but I still can't quite get my head around Liverpool being a championship side because for so long you've been used to them sort of dining at the, the same table as Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea. But yeah, it is intriguing. I think the fact it's on Merseyside is, is good for the game as well, I think. I, obviously, you would still fancy Arsenal to win that, but I just think it's the FA Cup, isn't it? Who knows? I think Liverpool will put on a good display. I think they have, you know, they have an opportunity to compete there. And, you know, wouldn't it be great if they, you know, if they're able to get through? I think it, it would be fantastic for the competition. It's a tall order, admittedly. Um, and it, it's, you know, it, as you say, it's really fitting that you've got top of the championship against top of the uh, WSL. Charlton also take on a struggling Everton. So it'll be interesting to see how that fixture plays out, whether this international break 
has allowed Everton time to regroup. Durham also take on another struggling WSL side in Birmingham. Now, this game is touted to be the most likely to provide some upset. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how this one plays out. It's an all-National League South tie as Ipswich take on Southampton, which guarantees at least one National League side in the sixth round, which is very exciting. And it's an all-WSL tie as Reading host West Ham and West Brom from the National League take on bottom of the championship, Coventry United. Emily, do you think there's going to be any upsets? What is the other tie that stands out for you? Um, I actually think that, and might be the Midlander in me, but that West Bromwich Albion versus Coventry tie is interesting because, as you say, yes, they're divisions apart, but West Brom, to me, it very much feels like they're, they're up and coming, they're doing well, there's a lot of good stuff going on at the club, and I guess that's probably reflected in this cup run that they're having today, and you know, everyone's aware of Coventry's struggles. And I think just generally in terms of these ties, I think it will be interesting because whether it's that Liverpool-Arsenal game or the Durham-Birmingham game, it will be interesting to see because so often we talk about the gulf being big between divisions, so the difference between the WSL and the Championship and obviously the Championship and the National League. And, and these there's a number of ties here that actually will showcase that. And, and you just hope, don't you, that the contests are closer than perhaps they might have been in previous seasons. Make sure to follow along because we'll be reviewing all of the action in our podcast next week. But that's all for this week. Don't forget to subscribe via all good podcasting platforms and make sure to leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and the Women's Football Podcast on Instagram. Have an amazing week and see you all soon.